Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, back here on schedule on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. I owe you an apology. I promised to get you two shows over the weekend. I just wasn't able to do it, man. I'm I'm on the phone chasing news and uh, you know trying to get unpacked and do laundry and stuff, and I just could not get a clear schedule to get it done. I hope to, but I apologize. So we're back on schedule this week. I do, um, yeah, I don't take vacation very often, but um, I had to come home to get some rest. You know what I'm saying? It's like you go on a vacation, it's like it's full of activity and you're having a blast, but then eventually you know, it kind of catches up with you. At least it does me. I'm old now. But uh, I do apologize. I did tell you on Friday I'd have you a Saturday show, and many of you reached out to me on Saturday. I said, I'm going to try to get something done on Sunday. I didn't do it. So I apologize. So now that we're back, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and uh, in uh, 11 days, I'll be leaving for New Mexico again for a few days. I'll bring the gear with me. I'll probably record that Friday show on Thursday. And then get up early on Friday and hit the road. So just to kind of give you an idea. So this week will be on schedule. And then next week should be on schedule. Let me look at the calendar. I don't want to misspeak here. I don't want to mislead you guys. But uh, yeah, this week will be on schedule. And then next week we'll do Monday the 16th, Wednesday the 18th. And I'll probably record Friday's show the night of the 19th. So you'll have that available to you. And then I'll bring my gear with me. And then uh, we'll record... Uh, Monday. All right. So, so that, there you go. There's your programming note. And, uh, I suspect I will take just two more trips to New Mexico and then be done with that because, uh, she's finishing up out there on the 25th and, uh, really, really, really happy uh, to kind of get her back here in the Magnolia state. Magnolia blooms don't bloom in the desert. So ready to get her home, but, uh, that's a schedule to kind of keep you guys abreast of what's happening. I know you miss me when I'm gone. I do. I understand that. But uh, it has been a very, 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 very eventful few days since I have been back uh, in Starkville. A, a really busy stretch, really, for the last uh, couple months for us. You know, I guess six weeks or so. You know, we go through, uh, you know, winning 
uh, the battle for the golden egg. We're feeling great about life. We're waiting our bowl assignment. You know, then we then we get that, <clears throat> then have the untimely passing of Mike Leach, and then a very very short uh, coaching search. And now we're navigating through recruiting, and we got that part of it done. Now we're working transfer portal stuff, and we're working assistant coaching hires. And so it has been a very busy stretch. There is a lot of interest, obviously, in Mississippi State Athletics right now. Many of you love Mississippi State, and you're just ready to have anything, any little morsel of information. I'm doing my best to keep you guys abreast of that over at jeanspage.com. If you're a member, you know that I've done updates just about every day, and some days multiple updates over the course of the last week. Even when I was on vacation, it was important for me to take some time to kind of answer some questions. And so we've got a lot of talented people on staff at jeanspage.com. Be sure and come uh, check us out if you're not already a member. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company, and it seems like there is always Bulldog Burger Company leftovers in my fridge, whether they be from me or my son. There, there's always something there. Uh, he works there, you know, so it kind of stands to reason. But all of that said, Bulldog Burger Company, the portions there are absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We always talk about getting more than your money's worth. That that rarely happens in today's society. That is the case at Bulldog Burger Company. You're going to get what you paid for and then some. So let me encourage you, if you hadn't done so, get out and go break bread with those fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company, whether it be for a business lunch or perhaps an opportunity uh, to take the family out for an evening. It's a great place to go with friends. It's a great place to go with family. Uh, they've got an experience for each opportunity for you to get out there and go make things happen. Whether you have an adult beverage, there's a full-service bar there, uh, a nice assortment of wines, a uh, good selection there in that respect too. So a lot of places you go, you know, you, you kind of just kind of got to go with the house stuff. Uh, they do a good job there. And so you can have an adult beverage there or you can have a fun night with family. Get that chocolate shake to go. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and Lake Harbor Drive in a Ridge and Flowood area. Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger today. Treat yourself. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the offensive coordinator search. I will admit it's been uh, it's been a moving target. It really has. Now, there are a couple things here I think they're important to understand. You got a brand-new coach. You got a brand-new coach, and he's a defensive-minded coach. And so he's not going to have a ton of connections on the offensive side of the football. That's not to say he didn't know people. It's one thing to know somebody and wish them well. It's another thing to pack up your family and come get in the boat, right? And so that's a bit of a challenge, right? Zach is going to make a great hire. I have no doubt about that. He is going to make a great hire. It's taken some time, probably longer than some of our fans uh, expected. But here's the reality of that. It doesn't matter how long it takes as long as we get the right individual. I think that's important to understand. It's easy to get caught up. I just want this to be over with. I want it to be over with too, but I want us to be satisfied and excited about the hire. We don't need to hire somebody just to hire somebody. There are plenty of those individuals out there that would love to come collect a check from Mississippi State that maybe don't advance our interests in football. And so that's Zach's challenge at this point is to find the right individual. I have a lot of confidence in Zach Arnett. You should too. I've read some comments on the message boards and on social media that kind of lead me to believe that, you know, impatience is getting the better of some of us. 
It's true. And, and to be honest with you, I'm ready to work on something else. I'm ready to start previewing college baseball. I'm ready to work on, you know, portal visitors and things of that nature, right? And so, yeah, I'm ready for that aspect of it to get over. It's busy. I spend all day every day on the phone. And so, and that, and that prevents me from producing a lot of content, right? And so that aspect of it, it's a little bit inconvenient for me. But the reality of it is, as Mike Leach said, I, you know, my level of inconvenience kind of pales in comparison to the importance of us making this higher. And I would also suggest that your level of anxiety is secondary to the importance of us making this higher. So let's all take a deep breath. Do it with me. <sighs> Feel better? I do, right? So there are a couple of things I want to address today uh, as we kind of get through this. Because there are a lot of people out there that have a lot of opinions and don't have any facts. And sometimes that's me. But I want to talk a little bit about the Kendall Brow situation first. Now, here's what I've been told. Let me back up even further than that. So I'm on vacation, and I get a message from a media peer, acquaintance, that covers the Arkansas Razorbacks for a living. And said, hey, have you heard anything about Kendall Browse talking with Mississippi State? Just wanted to compare notes. That happens a lot in our profession, as you could imagine. I would say majority of the time, there is something to it. There's sometimes people are chasing rumors, and before you go reporting anything, you want to kind of touch base with the guys at the other school just to see. You know, maybe there's a, a red herring here, right? And so the rumors about Kendall Browse, the first that I saw of them were on social media or on the message boards. And then within 24 hours of those rumors making the rounds, I'm getting hit up by a member of the media in Fayetteville, Arkansas, privately. Now, I don't know if his original source was the social media banter or the message board discussion, or he actually had somebody in Fayetteville telling him that. Regardless of of the source of that information, it was true and accurate. There were discussions taking place between Zach Arnett and Kendall Browse. And I believe there was a legitimate interest from Kendall Browse in the Mississippi State position. Now, what I was told from my media peer is that Kendall was somewhat frustrated at Arkansas when it came to offensive philosophy. He loves Sam, thinks Sam's a great coach. They just don't always see eye to eye when it comes to offensive play calling and game planning. And so he's not in a bad spot. His family apparently loves Northwest Arkansas. But it was a situation, it's like, hey, you know, hey, if I need to advance my career, maybe I need to be the guy out there with the big whistle on offense, making the plays. And, of course, Zach Arnett's offering him full autonomy on offense. Hey, you come in here and run the scheme the way you want to. And so anybody that suggests that Kendall Browse did not have a legitimate interest in Mississippi State, I think is kidding themselves. That or they're an Arkansas fan. And I guess both of those things could be true. You could be an Arkansas fan kidding yourself. But this was a very real situation. And Zach nearly pulled it off. Now, a lot of people suggest, well, this is a money grab from Sexton. You know, and that's his job, right, to get the best deal for his client, no matter where it comes from. It doesn't matter to them who writes checks as long as they cash. And so I know how it looks in hindsight, and I've read some commentary. People say, oh, Zach got played in this thing. That's just not the case, guys. It didn't work out. So I don't think it's fair to be critical of Zach Arnett because we couldn't get the deal closed. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to understand this too. As confident as I am in Zach Arnett, you know, my life is already here. 
You know, I got a great house out here in the country, you know, right? Full of stuff. I don't have to go call the Mayflower Company or have the wife fill out a change of address form to go throw my support behind Zach Arnett. I can do it right here. But when you're, when you're a you know, middle-aged guy or a younger middle-aged guy and you've got a wife and kids, there are things you have to consider. There are family considerations in this deal. And it's not always the best of times, right? I mean, the coaching profession kind of grinds people up. And so Kendall Browse and his wife made a decision that they thought was best for their family. And they got a new deal out of Arkansas. And they're not going to have to move. They're going to be able to stay right there. And, and I don't know what kind of concessions that Sam Pittman has made. No clue. Sam may just say, Kendall, this is how it's going to be. I don't know. I don't know what assurances he gave him. But for anybody to suggest that there was not a legitimate interest on both sides uh, is kind of uh, disillusioned about what really happened. Now, this is the last time I'm going to talk about this Mike Bobo stuff. And I love talking about this because there's so many people that have so many opinions that are completely false. So the first person to mention Mike Bobo to me is an assistant coach at another school. Someone that I've known for 13, 14 years that I talk to from time to time. And they call me from time to time and just kind of check in. Hey, how are things in Mississippi State? What's going on here? You know, when you've worked in the industry as long as I have, you build some relationships and you kind of learn who to trust and you learn maybe who you shouldn't. But somebody said, hey, here's what I'm hearing about the Mississippi State offensive coaching search. Here's what I'm hearing. This is, of course, all, you know, in the, in the wake of Kendall Browse electing the state of Arkansas. And said, so I was told that Zach Arnett was probably going to take, you know, a more experienced coach, maybe even a guy that's had some head coaching experience, and he, he just threw out a few names to me. So I go put them out there on the message boards. I tell everybody it's not an inclusive list. Can't even say this is the finalist, but these are just some names that have been associated with the search. Now, when we're all working through this, we're trying to get you guys information. We're not just trading in facts. A lot of times we're trading in rumors. And there are a lot of people out there in the agency circles that want to get their client's name associated with your job. I have to wade through that every every time that we have a head coaching search in any sport. I get a lot of that. And then I take that information and I go back to some of my sources on the Mississippi State side and I begin to kind of vet that stuff out. Well, things are moving pretty quickly here with this. And then I get another phone call. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? 
What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Mike Bobo again. And I think, well, I don't know if this is the best fit for us, but maybe that fits the criteria of an older coach that's been an experienced play caller, and, and maybe that's the direction that uh, we might consider. Then I get a text telling me that we're about to hire a wolf friend and that that is probably the first step towards Mike Bobo. So you have three different people that have no connection to each other suggesting this may be a possibility. I still didn't believe it. Still didn't believe it. And I believe the second person that contacted me maybe was doing so on behalf of Mike Bobo because not only did they call me, they called several other people in the media. And so you look at it in hindsight, you know, because like you don't want to get beat on a story, but at the same time, too, you want to make sure what you're reporting is true and accurate. And then, of course, you know, the football scoops of the world and, you know, Clary and Ledger and people like that, they go run with the story. And that's the problem with this aggregate media environment that we're in now is everybody wants to write stories about stories. I guess that's the Hugh Kellenberger doctrine part two. It's like they acknowledge the report, even though it's not their own reporting. But what happens is there gets to be a big story out there. And the next thing you know, this thing begins to snowball. And so if you think that people just said, oh, well, we read this on a message board and then everybody else went and wrote a story about it. If you believe that's correct, let me, let me encourage you to try a decaf coffee moving forward. Because that's just not the case. There was somebody out there who was pushing this narrative. And other people would say, well, this is, uh, you know, Arnett, you know, trying to flush out a leak in the building. Well, the, the initial leak about browse came from Arkansas and the initial comment about Bobo came from outside the program. So none of these recent leaks, if we want to call them that came from Mississippi state. And that's what happens when you have a new coach, when you have new relationships, you've got new staffers. It takes a while to figure out who you can trust. And so you have to go, you know, beat the, the bushes a little bit and try to figure out, you know, what's going on? Who's out there? What, what are you hearing? You know, I've got friends in agency circles, too. And I also understand some of those people can be a little bit shady at times. It's important to understand that. I did not speak to anybody in the agency world until the day of Kendall Brow's decision. Period. Spoke to multiple sources on multiple campuses. And then finally, the day of, the day of the decision, you find out that he actually has the contract in hand. He actually has the framework of a deal in hand. And so that's what reporting often is. If you're reporting like everything you hear from one person, you're going to get bamboozled, period. But I do think there's somebody out there that um, 
was maybe working hard to get Mike Bobo's name associated with our job, maybe in hopes of getting him some juice, because there's a lot of discussion, you know, that, uh, you know, Bobo wants to get back on the field. He's working as an analyst now. He was at Auburn, of course, and uh, still being paid by Auburn, from what I understand. And so he's working through that aspect of it. And so, you know, it's a ladder of awareness type deal. You got to get your name out there. You got to get it in the discussion. You all of a sudden you get mentioned as a candidate for these jobs. And there are other people out there that maybe would hire you and say, well, hey, yeah, he was in contact with Mississippi State. Mississippi State considered him that maybe we should too. But again, I go back to this. The quote leak didn't come from Mississippi State. And anybody suggesting that it did is devoid of the facts. And so I say that because I think it's important that we, we kind of clear the record here. You know, a lot of people are attributing conversations to people that never happened. And so I'm being transparent with you, kind of telling you what I knew, when I knew it, and who I knew it from without disclosing their names. And so we have worked through this process now, and um, I truly believed, based on what I was told on Friday, it all runs together after a while, that we were closing in on a hire very, very soon. Of course, we hired Will Friend, uh, which was a great addition, a guy that uh, is a veteran of multiple SEC programs, a guy that is right here from the state of Mississippi. I understand his mom still lives in Starkville, so it's like coming home. And uh, Will Friend is a guy that uh, you know we have talked about several times over the years, and we've had coaching changes or perhaps had to find a new offensive line coach that, hey, this is a Guy be a great fit for us. He knows Mississippi, and Mississippi knows him. And again, it kind of goes along with Zach Arnett's commitment to recruit Mississippi. You go out and get Mississippians. You go out and get guys that have a name in this state that high school coaches know, that have relationships with other people. They say, you know what, this is a person you can trust. Life is a whole lot easier, and the job is a whole lot easier when you don't have to introduce yourself, Right? And that's really the kind of the case for a guy like Will Friend. And there are a lot of people, because of the fact we were announcing Will Friend, that people began to connect some dots that didn't exist. My honest opinion, and I know this will probably not uh, jive with what some other people have said on social media and message boards, I think Mike Bobo was a smokescreen. I really don't think there was anything to it. I don't think there was any chance of him getting the job. I, listen, I heard the smoke too. I wasn't alone. But I don't think this originated at Mississippi State. I think it originated with some people connected to Mike Bobo, my honest opinion. And I think it was kind of self-serving. And, you know, how does it hurt Mike Bobo to have his name associated with an offensive coordinator spot in an SEC school? It doesn't. I'm not saying Bobo was behind it, but I think there are some other people out there that were that maybe thought he could benefit from this. I do not believe that Mississippi State was going to hire him. And I know that's kind of how it looked. All of a sudden, there's all these rumors and all this talk, and then we hire Will Friend, who is closely aligned with Mike Bobo. And I think some people kind of jumped to some conclusions there. But uh, that's the reality of that situation. It's not going to be Mike Bobo. Not. And I've heard that. Matter of fact, I have uh, – maybe I don't. Maybe I shouldn't tell you that. Let me just say this. Somebody that uh, had immediate contact with him, he's not coming. We have not offered him a job. We have not pursued him. There are some people would say there's got to be something to this because now all of a sudden it appears like we're back to square one. I'm told that's not the case. I'm told that there was already a plan in place once we got through the Kendall Brown situation that, hey, since the convention was so close, we'll wait. 
because everybody, for the most part, will be in one centralized area. And rather than have everybody go back and forth and that kind of stuff and, and meet face-to-face on campuses and airports and things like that, we'll just wait for the convention. But we threw a Hail Mary at Kendall Browse. It didn't work out. And now we're going to go out and hire somebody else. And, and I, again, I firmly believe Zach's going to make a great hire. Look at the hires he's made so far. Chad Bumpus. That's a hire that we've all been rooting for for years. We finally get Chad home. Will Friend, that's a hire many people have been rooting for for years. We've got Will back home. There's a lot of discussion now about David Turner. You guys are big fans of David Turner, as well you should be. The famed father of D-Block here at Mississippi State. I don't know that anybody got more production out of his depth chart on the defensive line than David Turner did. And some would say, well, you know, technique-wise, we weren't where we needed to be. Well, you know, Chris Jones is making a lot of money. Jeff Simmons making a lot of money. Now, now David didn't coach him. He recruited him, though. And you may recall this, too. Shortly after Jeff Simmons signed, David Turner left. And Jeff Simmons tweeted out he couldn't believe it. He loved David Turner so much, he wanted to play for David. And you think about the recruiting horizon, and you bring back David Turner, who in many respects is maybe the best defensive line recruiter this state has seen in many years, probably in a generation. Yeah, I go back to the fact Caleb Ewells, was committed to Mississippi State, was en route to Alabama. David Turner was no longer our coach. He had accepted another job. David Turner got on the phone with Caleb Ewells, who was en route to Tuscaloosa, and convinced him to turn around and go home. He said, Caleb, you need to go back. Mississippi State is where you need to be. You can play there. It's the best place for you, for your family. It's the best place for you culturally. And Caleb Ewells turned the car around and went home. That says a lot about David Turner's character, too. A lot of people would just move on and say, well, you know what, Mississippi State can figure that out. They didn't. And Caleb Ewells, of course, a big part, a big part of that 2014 number one team in the country. I'm going to share another story with you, too, that I think you'll find interesting. P.J. Jones, God rest his soul. P.J. Jones, the guy that really struggled when he got out of uh, college, Mississippi State. And one day, P.J. Jones messaged me and said he didn't have his degree. said he was one class short. And he was really disappointed and depressed and said he didn't feel like he could advance his life. He was really depressed. So I reached out to David Turner, who was working at another school. David was very, very close to P.J. And I said, hey, Dave, here's what's going on. Dave calls me. He's like, I know exactly what to do. Let me make a phone call to Miss Ann Carr. We'll get this worked out. We'll get him taken care of. I don't know how it worked out. I don't know if PJ ever went back and finished that last course. No clue. But I know that David Turner not only made a call on his behalf, then David Turner called PJ Jones and talked with him multiple times after that to try and help him. And he was working at another school. But it just shows that his love, respect, and admiration for his players. And his players love and admire him. And so if we're able to get him back, and I believe things are trending in that direction, if we're able to get David Turner back, not only is he a great recruiter in Mississippi, a great developer of talent, he is a great man. You guys remember when uh, Keith Joseph and Marshawn Joseph, that's basically Keith Sr. and Keith Jr. when they passed away? 
Like many of you, I struggle to find out about young people dying. I struggle to make sense of that. I, I really do. When we, get, when we get to heaven, that's one of the questions that I want to ask. And I understand that things are always part of a bigger plan. I get that. I understand that. But Dave and I spoke shortly after we got the news that we had lost both Big Keith and Keith Jr. And Dave Turner did not hesitate. He spoke and he said, Steve, God makes no mistakes. I said, I guess that's right, David. He goes, no, no, no. There's no guessing. God makes no mistakes. He said, nothing happened that God didn't expect to happen. Could he have prevented it? Yes. But he chose not to. And it's part of a bigger plan. And one of the things that he told me is he said, I don't know that either one of those guys could have made it without each other. But I've always remembered that in times of difficulty and in times of trial and in times of despair and times of depression, God makes no mistakes. And again, that goes back to who David Turner is. He's not just a guy that coaches football. There are a lot of people out there that are good football coaches but bad people. That's not Dave Turner. Dave Turner fits Mississippi State. And my hope is this thing works out. Of course, uh, Dave was at Georgia Tech, uh, worked under Jeff Collins. There was some discussion that uh, they wanted to bring, he wanted to retain him. And then they announced that they weren't retaining him. And I think some of that is in connection maybe with us. That's a little speculative there on my, on my, on my part. But uh, I know David Turner knows Mississippi State. Dave Turner knows what this state produces when it comes to defensive line prospects. He knows how to develop those guys, knows how to get them to the National Football League. I don't know that we could do better than David Turner at any point, right? Guy's a tremendous coach, a tremendous recruiter. And so I suspect that you'll probably hear something sooner rather than later about David Turner joining the staff. I suspect that's going to be the case. I think that may be some of the news this week. It's important to kind of understand that. But uh, Dave Turner, a big-time assistant coach for Dan Mullen, and leaved and left and came back and then eventually followed Dan to Florida. And one thing that I can tell you, too, when David came back a second time, because the very first time when David was here, of course, uh, he got young Dan Mullen, right? And Dan's always been a little bit crass and a little bit obnoxious, right? That's just the truth. But when David Turner left, Dave Turner kind of told Dan Mullen some things about himself. And then when David Turner was agreeing to come back, was discussing that with Dan Mullen, he told him. He goes, Dan, I'm going to come back, but it can't be the way it was before. And Mullen said, you know what? I've grown up a lot since then. Dave, we just love to have you back. They work it out. Dave comes in here. It's a great job. I think the better part of that story is when David left his little exit interview, he tried to make it a better working environment for his fellow assistant coaches. He went and said the things that maybe they didn't have the, the voice to say. He's leaving. He's like, you know, Dan, here's what's going on. You need to treat these guys with a little more respect. These guys are working hard for you. And I don't know what kind of impact that conversation had on Dan Mullen. I do know that it took place. I actually verified it on both sides. Didn't report on it. But Dan Mullen grew up. And I think a lot of that, too, I think David Turner and guys like Tony Hughes helped him with that. You know, Dan Mullen had to learn to be a head coach. And he ushered us into one of the greatest, you know, 
eras in Mississippi State football. Zach Arnett, similar situation, right? And, and I'm not saying Zach is the same guy Dan Mullen is. Don't get me wrong. Zach Arnett is an extremely intelligent guy, extremely competitive guy. Zach wants to win. Dan wanted to win. And sometimes both those guys are a little bit rough around the edges. But Zach is going to learn to be a head coach too. He, he didn't know how to be a head coach yet. And that's not a criticism. That's just the reality of the situation. But Zach Arnett is one of the most intelligent people that I've been around in recent years. There's going to be a learning curve. And so I, a lot of this criticism that I see is unwarranted. And I know it's because we all want what's best for Mississippi State. We're like, oh, we got to get a great hire. We got, we've got this money we can spend. We're saving money on Zach Arnett because we're not paying him what we were paying Leach, which is right. We've got money to spend. We're in the Southeastern Conference. And we'll find somebody. We'll find somebody and give them a great payday, and they'll come here and they'll have a great life, and their, their wife will love it. Their kids will love it. Starkville is a great place to raise a family. I'm just asking you to show a little patience here. And again, look at the track record. It's a short one, but look at what Zach has done so far. And people say, oh, well, they're the negative Mississippi State fans. Oh, well, he's due to have a bad hire. I just don't believe that. I think Zach Arnett realizes this is his shot. This is Zach's staff. It's going to be Zach's program. And I'm perfectly aligned with what Zach is doing. I have worked the phones more than I care to admit over the course of the last 72 hours. I'm looking forward to not having to do that. But you know what? If I got to do it for a few more days to get you guys some information, we will. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, even if we don't know who the hire is until they're ultimately announced, as long as it's the right individual, who cares? Yeah, we all want to know. We feel like we're shareholders in the program, and we feel like we've got a right to know. It's like, hey, I'm invested in this. I buy season tickets. I go to the away games. I went to the bowl game. I want to know. And the truth of the matter is, at this point, there's not a lot to know. I don't think Zach knows just yet who he's going to hire, which is why he's at the AFCA convention in Charlotte interviewing people. I think it's more about Zach being thorough rather than Zach maybe not being prepared. And I think every time that you go through a hiring process, I've, I've hired hundreds of people in my career. I've fired over 100 as well. You know, every, every time you go through that process, it gets a little bit easier. It does, because you begin to learn how to define those identifying markers of what makes a good employee. So I just tell you, just take a deep breath here. It's going to be okay. I believe ultimately, now there's going to be some people, no matter who we hire. I mean, we could go out there and, you know, <laughs> hire Newt Rockney or Bill Walsh or whatever. You know, we could go hire one of the most innovative minds in the history of the game. There will be some people that will find criticism in it and say, well, the game's passed him by, right? You're never going to make everybody happy. But at the end of the day, it's not the press conference you want to win. It's a ball game you want to win. And that's the individual that Zach Arnett's going to hire, the guy who can go win ball games for us. All right, time for today's top ten list. And we're not doing music today. All right, so if you would normally fast-forward through this segment of the show because you're not a music person, hang on. We're not doing music today. We're going to do something different today that involves Mississippi State football. How about how'd that be? All right, so Blair Chandler is our sponsor for this segment. You know, Blair runs uh, clotheswithblair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And he's a mortgage professional. 21 years in the industry. If you're looking for a mortgage, look no further than Blair Chandler. You want to get your loan closed? Without all this you know, rigmarole and things of that nature, you just want to get things done. You want somebody that's very efficient in what they do. 
and you talk to Blair Chandler. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, at 601-500-2344. Nobody will go out there and fight underwriting harder for you than Blair Chandler. If necessary, he will put sugar in their gas tanks. He will short sheet their beds. He will put pepper on their pillow. He will get you taken care of. He will be your advocate to get your loan approved. If you mention to him you heard about him on the show, he's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. Be sure and check it out today. Closewithblair.com. All right, we're going to rank bowl games today. Not just any bowl game, but Mississippi State bowl wins. I had a discussion with some friends recently and said, hey, Steve, where does the ReliQuest bowl rank all time when it comes to Mississippi State bowl wins? It's, you know, under the circumstances – it's got to be one of our bigger bowl wins. I don't know that I can disagree with that. So I thought today, let's put this thing together and let's talk about it. Let's talk about what are the biggest bowl wins in Mississippi State history. Now, I will admit I probably have a little bit of recency bias. And so I took some time and thought about it, gave myself a couple days and said, you know what? Let's look at what these wins meant when they, when they happened. So I'm going to start with number 10 on my list. Now, you may disagree, but number 10 on my list is the 1974 Sun Bowl win over North Carolina. Number 10. Now, this is a, it was a 9-3 team. We had a great year. That's Rocky's senior year. We open up beating William & Mary. We beat Georgia. We lose at Florida in a competitive ball game. We knock off Kansas State, win at Lamar, Memphis State. We destroy Louisville 56-7 here in Starkville. Then we lose at Alabama, and that was a bloodbath. We lost 35-0 in that game. We lose a nail-biter in Jackson to Auburn, and then end the year beating LSU and Ole Miss, and then beating North Carolina uh, there in the Sun Bowl. So number 10 on your list is 74 Sun Bowl. Now, I know that I'm going to get some messages from some longtime listeners that said, Steve, you don't understand. Now, I get it. I do. It's a great year. Number nine, now this one, maybe not the great year, but it kind of opened up some big things for us because it was the dawning of a new era in Mississippi State football history. The 2013 Liberty Bowl went over Rice. We went 44-7. You say, but Steve, we went 6-6 in a regular season. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. However, we finally got a chance to see what Dak Prescott could do at full strength. Dak, of course, played a lot that year. That was the year of the three, the three starting quarterbacks. Tyler Russell got hurt against Oklahoma State, struggled a little bit to stay healthy, came back and played. Damian Williams started Egg Bowl. It was just, you know, it was one of those years. And I remember us being four and six heading into to, uh, Arkansas saying, you know what, we're going to lose to Alabama, number one Alabama, and then we're going to win out. That's exactly what happened. We did win out. We beat Arkansas thanks to Nico Whitley. We win the Egg Bowl, thanks to Jamerson Love and Dak Prescott. And uh, then we beat Rice 44-7, who was a Conference USA champion. And so, yeah, the season wasn't great, but the win itself was amazing because of the fact that I think at that point we knew we had some big things in store for 2014 and probably reached some higher heights than we ever anticipated. But we knew we had our guy to run the Dan Mullen offense to its highest level of proficiency. And that's what 13 showed us. Number eight on the list, the 2007 Liberty Bowl. 
You said, but Steve, you put that one ahead. Well, yeah, I did. I did put that one ahead of that one just because of the fact we hadn't been to a bowl game since 2000. We also beat the Conference USA champion. And it was the first year, I think, in a long time that we really enjoyed college football at Mississippi State. We'd we'd gone through this incredibly contrived NCAA uh, investigation that was fueled by Ole Miss and some of their folks. And, um, you know, it just took us a while to get going again. And you hire Croom, and, you know, we're a little bit better every year. But we finally break through. We have a winning year. Seven and five in a regular season. And then eight and five after winning the uh, the ball. And then Anthony Dixon, of course, uh, a big game for us. But uh, Derek Pegues, the MVP of the ball game. And we set the attendance record for Liberty Bowl. The number seven bowl win on my list is a 2015 Belk Bowl. Now, we shouldn't have been in a Belk Bowl. We probably were a better team that year. We just didn't handle things the way we should have. It was Dak's senior year. We should have been in the Sugar Bowl, but we weren't because Ole Miss came to Starkville and beat us 38-27. You remember Dak had that big pick six early in the ballgame. Dak had the fumble early in the ballgame. You know, Dak just wasn't ready. It was senior day, and Ole Miss was ready to go. We weren't. They ended up going to Sugar Bowl. They win it. We don't. And, again, this is a chance for us. We should have been able to go do this. We should have been able uh, to go compete in the West that year. We end up finishing 4-4 uh, four and four in the league, uh, tied for fourth, I guess, or fifth in the league. The fact that we went 500 in the SEC in Dak Prescott's senior year is an indictment on our program. Dan Mullen should have found a way to do a better job than that. We were a veteran team that year. We beat Southern Miss that year, and, you know, we lose to LSU. Devin Bell missed a late field goal. And if you recall, the, the field goal was pushed back because of a, a stupid delay game penalty on us, and that's on the sidelines. We beat Northwestern State. We go and beat Auburn. Felt pretty good about life at that point. We could climb back into this thing, and then we lose at, at Texas A&M and really removed any chance of us truly competing uh, for the West, and we knocked out Troy, Louisiana Tech, Kentucky, we go to Missouri and win. And so you look, all of a sudden you look up and say, you know, the Bulldogs are in a pretty good position to close here, and we just couldn't close. We get beat up by number two, Alabama. Derrick Henry runs all over us. We go and beat Arkansas in that wild and crazy game up there where Beniquez Brown blocks a field goal to win it, and then Ole Miss beats us. And then we, so we're relegated to the Belk Bowl, and we go out there, and it's the battle of Jacoby Brissett and Doug Prescott. We win the game going away in the rain. And it was uh, Dak Prescott's uh, swan song at Mississippi State. But it was a big moment. It was a good win for us. All right, number six on my list is the 1999 Peach Bowl. Now, I would have this higher, even though, you know, it's the Peach Bowl and we won by double digits, but we shouldn't have been in a Peach Bowl. Again, a missed opportunity for Mississippi State. We were the best team in the West that year, and we blew it. This is a situation of you let Alabama beat you twice. We had to go to Tuscaloosa. We were undefeated. We went out there and played those guys. They were number 11 in the country. And uh, we lose the game. Shimari Buchanan with the big touchdown uh, catch late to put it away. And then the next week, we went to Little Rock and were absolutely horrendous. We lose 14-9. to Should have won the game, even though Arkansas was ranked. We were 12th at the time. They were 22nd. You lose that game, and all of a sudden, it removes every possibility of you uh, you know, winning the West because you basically give Alabama another game. And so Alabama, of course, goes on to win the West. But um, we shouldn't have been in a Peach Bowl. Losing in Bryant-Denny Stadium, there's no shame in that. Losing at Arkansas the next week was. 
It was a disaster. Now, granted, we had some calls to go against us, but we shouldn't have been in a peach bowl. That said, we won the peach bowl. It was fabulous. It was a great win for us. It made us feel great about life, kind of pushing forward in 2000. All right, number five on my list, kind of going back a little bit, is the 1963 Liberty Bowl. Now, Liberty Bowl was a little more prestigious back then. You didn't have nearly as many games. It was played in Philadelphia. Uh, Bill McGuire tells me it's the coldest he's ever been in his life. Bill also blocked the punt and set up a touchdown in that ball game that we won 16-12 under Coach Paul Davis. And Mississippi State had not done a whole lot. We had not had a lot of bowl history at that point. We'd only been to two bowl games in our history. The 36 Orange Bowl against the Canes. We lose 13-12 under Major Raf Sassy. And then, of course, uh, you know, we win the 40 Egg Bowl, the 40 uh, Orange Bowl. But only the third bowl game in school history, and we had not been in 23 years. And it had been a very anemic stretch from us from 1946 to 1963. And all of a sudden, uh, Coach Davis and Bob Tower turned this thing around for us. So the 63 Liberty Bowl, and again, it was more prestigious back then. All right, number four for me is the uh, 2017 Gator Bowl. Now, you may recall, we shouldn't have been in the Gator Bowl either. We were slotted for the Outback Bowl, but because Dan Mullen had left and that Nick Fitzgerald had been uh, the victim of a code red, we weren't considered to be a good bowl team. In fact, a matter of we weren't. And so we got paired up with Louisville and Lamar Jackson in the Gator Bowl, and then Mark McLaurin ends up being the MVP, setting the bowl record with three interceptions in the ball game. And Greg Knox led us to victory. And D.J. Looney, God rest his soul, the game was so important to him. He was very, very angry. He wasn't being retained here. He wasn't being, um, he wasn't being uh, taken to Florida with Dan. So he was kind of like a man without a country, but he loved Mississippi State. He stayed here and he coached these kids hard and he coached them to victory. So 2017 Gator Bowl, maybe the significance of the game nationally was not maybe what it should have been. But under the circumstances of what Mississippi State had endured, and the play of Keaton Thompson was big. Probably one of the more improbable bowl wins in Mississippi State history. All right, number three on your list is this year's ReliaQuest Bowl for much of the same reasons for 17. Number one, it is a very, very good bowl slot. You get a good team. You generally get a great Power 5 team. You know, you're not playing the Kusa champ. You're playing a team that perhaps didn't play in the Big Ten Championship game. So we, we go back to the Outback Bowl. It's now the Ryquest Bowl. Mike Leach has passed away. Ra-Ra Thomas has entered the portal. Dylan Johnson's entered the portal. So there's a lot of adversity around this team. And they leaned on each other, and they found a way to get a win. It wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination. But in my estimation, the third biggest bowl win in school history because the, the ReliQuest Bowl is bigger than the Gator Bowl, bigger than the Liberty Bowl. Peach Bowl, of course, kind of f- fluctuates a little bit. But at the time, the Peach Bowl wasn't what it is today. You know, Peach sometimes is now part of the uh, the playoff. But the ReliQuest Bowl, among the pool of six SEC Bowls, is the top one. And we've won it. Number two, the 2010 Gator Bowl. We beat Michigan. Not just because it was a helmet sticker win. And not just because of the fact that we went down there and blew them out. But it gave us the confidence to know that we had the right coach in Dan Mullen and that we were headed in the right direction. Again, it kind of ushers in a new era of football. And that sustained us for a few years there. But all of a sudden, we felt like, you know what, hey, we can compete with anybody. 
we don't have to look at the schedule and start penciling in three or four losses a year. We can go out there and compete. Should have beat LSU the year before, right? Should have. Dan finally got over that hump. But the 2010 Gator Bowl was one of those memories that this generation will have forever. We went out there and dominated Michigan. Dominated them. It wasn't close. An absolute bloodletting. Of course, Bert Rod and the whole staff gets fired, you know, after that game. But uh, there's so many memories we have from that. So I, I give you that's a number two bowl win of all time. The number one bowl win of all time is our very first one. Our very first bowl win way back in 1940. We beat Georgetown in the Orange Bowl. I actually have some uh, footage of those teams. I, matter of fact, next to me, I have a, uh, a DVD of some footage from that. I'm, I'm going to put that up one day and put it on Gene's page. We'll do it for free. Of uh, Some footage of the 1941 Orange Bowl between Mississippi State and Georgetown. How about that? The fact that I have that, isn't that amazing to think that somebody sent that to me and I have it? I've done nothing with it. I owe it to you to get it out there. So I'm, I'm going to work on that. Give me some time. I'm going to get it together for you. But the 1940 Mississippi State Maroons team, coached by one Alan McKean, went 10-0-1 and finished the year with a number nine ranking. Isn't that crazy? So we go undefeated and finish the year number nine. We won at Florida. We beat Southwest Louisiana. We tied it. We tied Auburn in Birmingham. That's the only blemish on the record. We take down Howard. We go to Raleigh, North Carolina, and beat NC State 26 to 10. We beat Southwestern Tennessee. They became Memphis. They were, you know, decent program at the time. We won 13 nothing. We ranked number 20. The next week, we go to Tiger Stadium. We move up one spot that week to 19, and we beat LSU 22-7 in Baton Rouge. We're up to 15. We hammer Millsaps in a non-conference game. We then host Ole Miss. And what's amazing, too, just to kind of show you the disrespect of Mississippi State at the time, Mississippi State is ranked 15th in the AP poll, and we win 46-13 and dropped to 16 the next week. Isn't that crazy? Well, the next week was the Egg Bowl. And Ole Miss was ranked 11. We were ranked 16th, and we beat them 19 to nothing and moved up to number 11. We went and played at Tuscaloosa against Alabama, number 17 Alabama, and we beat them 13 to nothing. And so we earned a berth in the Orange Bowl in Miami of Florida. We go play in Burdine Stadium. We beat number nine Georgetown and went 14 to seven. And so think about this again for a second. State is ranked. We finished the year knocking off three top 20 opponents, including the number nine team in the country, on a neutral field, and we end up ninth. We're 11, we beat number nine, and we move up to ninth. And so even with that great season, we were disrespected. I'm just kind of curious, now that we're here together, what that poll looked like. And courtesy of Al Gore's internet, I magically have that poll in front of me. So here's how it breaks down. Let's, Let's just give you the top 10. All right, so number 10 was Washington, who went 7-2. and two. Mississippi State, 8-0-1 oh, on the year. We got one vote to be the number one team in the country. I'd like to know who that was. I think we should claim an NFL championship for it because somebody did vote us. Northwestern is, uh, we're number nine. Northwestern is number eight. They go 6-2. and two. Number seven was Nebraska from the Big Six Conference. They go 8-1. and one. Number seven, excuse me. Number six, Texas A&M, they're eight and one. So 
automatically you got three teams ahead of you that lost the game. One of them loses two. State loses none. And so we're ninth. The number five team in the country that year was an undefeated Boston College team at 10-0. Number four was Tennessee, also 10-0. And there's Michigan, 7-1. And then Stanford, 9-0. And Minnesota, 8-0. So you could make an argument that Mississippi State, just looking at this, probably should have been the number five team in the country when it's all said and done. We finished with a top 10 finish. One of the crowning moments of Mississippi State football. And again, I just looked here, I, I looked at these DVDs, and I'm thinking, I, I was thinking about that 1940 Alabama-Mississippi State game, and I realized there was a second DVD that's got the orange ball on it. I don't know how much footage is on there. You know, it wasn't like it is today. It's, it may just be a few seconds. But wouldn't it be cool to see that? I, th- I think the fact that I have that, I owe that to you. So I'm going to work on that here in the next few days, and we'll get up there and uh, let you check it out. I don't even know what's on it. I mean, the DVD might not be any good. I don't know. But uh, be that as it may, that is the biggest bowl win in Mississippi State history. And even then, we weren't respected. But uh, Alan McKean fielded a great team, at 1940 team, absolutely outstanding. And again, Mississippi State's first bowl win. And uh, it'd be nice to get back to win another one of those Orange Bowls. We've had opportunities. We've been to the Orange Bowl, what, three times now. A lot of people talk about going to the Sugar, and I want to go too. A lot of those people talk about Sugar hadn't been to the Orange Bowl. And the Orange Bowl, obviously, just as prestigious as the uh, sugar, probably more so these days. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. You know Campus Bookmart? Well, you should. Campus Bookmart, a Stark Villigan institution. Be sure and check them out. Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. The bully shop has been completely renovated. It is now upstairs. They're no longer in the textbook business. Makes it a lot easier to expand their selection. The greatest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. Be sure and go check them out today. If you can make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. You want those Mike Leach pullovers? They got them. You want the hoodies and sweatshirts? They got them. They're great. I'm going to go by and get some today while I'm out. I got to have one. You do too. The Bulldog in your life deserves one. And order one for yourself too. And be sure and use that promo code BSR at campusbookmart.net. Okay. Over the weekend, Mississippi State earned their first SEC win of the year on the men's basketball side, snapping a three-game losing streak. Of course, the Bulldogs had began the year 11-0. Then we lost to Drake in Lincoln, Nebraska. Then we get shelled by Alabama and Tennessee. The Alabama game was competitive for a while. We just couldn't hang in there with them. But Tennessee simply out-athleted us 87-53. to The game was really not competitive. I think it was, what, what 20 to nothing before we even got going. Basically, a must-win game as uh, State and Ole Miss get together for both teams. I thought State was the better team in the first half, but give Ole Miss some credit. Give Ole Miss credit for playing hard. They absolutely played hard. State began to get some separation in the game and uh, just couldn't quite pull away. Ole Miss closes a half on a nice little run there. But um, I never really felt like we were in trouble. There were a couple times, of course, we go down early in the second half, but it never really felt like we were in trouble. I'm sitting here looking at this. You know, we're up five to close the first half. Right around the four-minute mark, we're up five. They cut it to three on a Deshaun Ruffin layup, who I thought was really good for Ole Miss. A lot of people project him to be a, a pro State knocks down a couple free throws from Will McNair, who had his best game in the uniform. 
Ole Miss gets it back, back to four, we, and then narrows it down to three, and then State gets a layup from uh, Keyshawn Murphy to push it to five. Ole Miss cuts it to three, and then State again, McNair in the paint, making good plays down there, pushes it to five, and right at the buzzer, Matthew Morrell knocks one down to pull the Rebels within three. And so even though it felt like State was in control of the game, Ole Miss figured some things out late. State went to the 1-3-1 zone that gave them some trouble. But the next thing you know, Ole Miss picks up where they left off. It's back and forth, back and forth. It's a tie game at the 18-minute mark. And then Ole Miss takes their first lead uh, in a long time on a dunk by Matthew Morrell on a fast break to go up 31-30. to They push that lead out to four. State narrows it down to three on a free throw by DJ Jeffries. And then Ole Miss pushes it again right back out to seven. And at this point, I think we're thinking, guys, we got to wake up a little bit. We got to wake up. Eric Reed hits a big three. And the hump at that point began to kind of take over. And those of you that were in attendance, you made a difference in the game. I thought you really gave the Bulldogs a lift. And even though the Rebels weren't done, neither were the Bulldogs. At the 10-minute mark, the uh, the game is tied 41-41 after a Shaquille Moore jumper. State goes back up two, then four, and then next thing you know, State is up six. And it really felt like, even though it was just six, that State was in complete control. It felt like State had figured out some things offensively. And I really thought State hit some big shots late. That was a big struggle in the first half. We had a lot of open looks, just couldn't knock them down. A lot of, a lot of wide-open threes that weren't even rimmed in and out. They were just well off the mark. But later in this ball game, we began to make some things happen. Began to make some things happen. Six-minute mark, State is up six. We pushed the lead at the five-minute mark up to eight. And at that point, I think we all just felt like the game was over. It was just a matter of what the final score was going to be. And I thought the dagger, with three minutes and 16 seconds to go to Sean Davis, Rams home a three, to quote Jack Crystal to make it a 54-46 ball game. And the way State defends, you just felt like those guys were in trouble. State gets a defensive stop. And they were killing us earlier on the offensive rebounds. And that was the case here in this particular possession. They miss a three, get it back, and then miss a jumper. And then it's Eric Reed Jr. hitting the three to push State up 11. And at that point, it was academic. Uh, Keyshawn Murphy gets loose on a fast break and uh, gets a dunk to push it out to 13. And at this point, we're just running clock. And then State ends up winning this ball game. You know, wasn't much of a free throw shooting contest because Ole Miss just wasn't within in, in striking distance. But a 64-54 win for Mississippi State. It's always good to beat the Rebels. It doesn't matter if it's football, baseball, basketball, uh, Chinese checkers, or uh, tiddlywinks. We enjoyed getting those rivalry wins. The Rebels now 8-7 overall and 0-3 in the SEC. Kermit Davis firmly on the hot seat. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Matthew Morrell was really good for Ole Miss, 7 of 16 from the floor, but just 1 of 7 from 3. The Rebels as a team shot just 4 of 17 from beyond the arc. Uh, Morrell with 19 points. Jamie and Brakefield didn't get a lot of press, but got 10 points for the Rebels that night. And Deshaun Ruffin... uh, Gave them a little bit of a lift, but just uh, two points. Got out there, just one for eight shooting. And that's one thing State will do. State will force you into tough shots. Uh, Field goal percentage for Ole Miss, 35.8%. That's going to win you some ball games if you're the defensive team, not so much on the offensive side. And again, 23.5% from three points. Tolo Smith had a dozen points in the ballgame, and I thought it was kind of a quiet 12 points. I think Tolo had three turnovers, but uh, he struggles at times 
receiving that entry pass into the post. He only played 15 minutes, got in some foul trouble, but made the most of his time when he's in there. We need him to be a little more efficient around the glass, though, right? I mean, we, we need him to be able to receive that entry pass and then go up and then make the free throws. And uh, just two of three from the line. Uh, State 13 of 26. And, and that's the thing, too. Even though you win the game, you can't live with 50% free throw shooting. We've got to do a better job. Eric Reed Jr. with nine points. DJ Jeffries with six. I thought DJ gave us some lift, though. Eight rebounds on the night. Just one one foul and also had four steals. So a very active night on the defensive end for him. Maybe not the offensive contribution we had hoped for. Uh, but, uh, again, I thought he was pretty decent. Had a, had no not charged any turnovers, but there were a couple times he got out of control. Uh, one of six from the line, that's not going to get it done. Cam Matthews, 32 minutes of action. Uh, just five points for him. But, again, Cam's doing the, the grunt work out there. Five big rebounds, set some really strong screens, and had five assists, which led the team. Uh, Deshaun Davis really couldn't find his shot. Only attempted four free, four four shots on the night. And uh, one of those, of course, the big three-pointer. We had absolutely had to have it. Will McNair, 25 minutes of great action. Again, kind of pressed into service because of totally foul trouble. 25 minutes, five of seven from the floor. Three of four from the line. Pulled down seven boards. Only to one personal foul. Also had a big block late in the ballgame. And uh, 13 points. That block really got the crowd on their feet. Shaquille Moore, I thought, really played well. I know he didn't fill up the box score, but he's coming off the bench there. 22 minutes of action. Knocked down both of his free throws. Pulled down a couple rebounds. Had three assists. Also three turnovers, a pair of steals, and seven points. But he played with really good energy. And there were times in that ball game when he needed somebody to step up and make a play, and he did for us. And Keyshawn Murphy, uh, seven points and 17 minutes of action for him. Uh, three of five from the floor. Also pulled down three rebounds. But uh, – Tyler Stevenson, kind of a quiet night. He was the hero here a couple days ago, uh, even in the loss. Played really well for Mississippi State. Just eight minutes of action. Probably a little frustrated he's not getting more playing time. But, you know, Chris Jans knows what he's doing. Uh, State shoots less than 40% and still wins by 10. And some of that's got to do with Ole Miss's ineptitude offensively. State 33% from beyond the arc and then 50%. So you look at it and you're happy with the net result. But when you begin to drill down the numbers, you realize, too, State really didn't play well. It played well at times, but didn't play well throughout the ball game. we got to find a way to be a little more consistent. Uh, 34 points in the paint, 10 points off of turnovers, 15 second chance points. Uh, fast break points were 11. Bench points, 28. The game was tied just twice and changed leads uh, five times. But you look at these rebounds. State with 42 boards, Ole Miss with 34. Miles Burns had 10 for the Rebels. But it seemed like in the first half, if there was ever an errant shot on the offensive end, that Ole Miss was finding a way to get to it. But a win's a win, and we'll take it, and we had to have it. And again, it's year one under Chris Jans. We're 12-3. and three. I think we can feel good about where we are. And it, listen, we play teams that are going to be able to out-athlete us on the offensive end. We're going to struggle. I mean, that, that's just the reality of life. Until we get some shooters, we're going to have to try to grind games out like this. Now, a big game coming up on Wednesday is Mississippi State – uh, we'll travel to Athens, Georgia to take on Mike White, the former coach in Florida, and the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, we have had some success in Athens. You know, Ben Howen did really well against Georgia. Uh, didn't play him an awful lot, but when we did, you know, State had some success. And so I don't think we're going to be intimidated to go into that building. Uh, you know, Georgia's a team, too, that uh, I have said before, it doesn't make a lot of sense that Georgia is not better considering their resources and their recruiting footprint and having Metro Atlanta to pull from. They just 
they their men's basketball tradition is rather anemic in many respects. But um, you know, this is a team too that uh, obviously is playing better right now. They're eleven and four overall, and one and one in the conference, and been nine and zero at home. So we're going to be you know facing a team that is very very comfortable in their home arena as all are. But they have protected Stegman Coliseum uh, really really well. The non conference schedule for them was. You know, let's just say it wasn't stellar. And so they have stacked up some wins against some teams that, that are, you know, maybe not what you would expect. But uh, they did play Notre Dame. They did play Georgia Tech. They win both of those. Excuse me. They lose to Georgia Tech. They beat Notre Dame. They get in a conference play, and they win against Auburn. It's a huge early win because, you know, Bruce Pearl's team's going to be right there in the end. And then they lose uh, in Gainesville. Uh, to Florida, and Georgia was winning this game big early, and then Florida comes back to win. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with these guys. But, uh, you know, look forward to that game on Wednesday evening. We'll, we'll take a little more in-depth look at it on Wednesday. But then the Bulldogs will be at Auburn on Saturday. And so you look at, you know, State really not catching a lot of breaks early in the conference schedule, back-to-back top ten opponents, and then you get a rivalry game, and then you're back on the road uh, for a pair. The good thing about that is, is even though we have played, you know, three out of five games on the road, that'll eventually reverse itself and we'll start playing more games at home down the stretch. But a very difficult early portion of the SEC schedule for Mississippi State. I mean, I, I don't know if many people could really argue that State perhaps had the most difficult first five game schedule in the SEC. I think it's probably fair, you know. And you look at the Georgia game and you say, well, you know, Georgia – is Georgia and uh, maybe hasn't been what they should be. But again, this is an undefeated team at home. So we're going to have to go out there and play well. And we finally get back into Starkville. We got to play Tennessee again. Be interesting to see how we match up and what we learned from that earlier matchup. But the fact that we draw them early, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a really brutal league all the time because even though there's not always a lot of great teams, everybody's always good enough to beat you. So state's going to have to bring a great effort uh, here down the stretch. But uh, if we can find a way to win that game of Georgia, all of a sudden you're 2-2 two and two in the league and you start feeling good, you want to try to find a way to get to 500 if at all possible. If you get anywhere close to that, you're probably in the tournament considering the fact that State's got a couple of good net wins in a non-conference. But, you know, if you get less than 500 in the league, it's you're really leaving it up in the hands of the committee. You need to find a way to get to 500. And it's going to be difficult to post a winning record this year considering State's offensive struggles. The hope is is that as you work through this thing, you begin to identify some offensive pieces and you find some cohesion uh, later in the year. So I do think that you're going to see the offense get better. I don't think they're ever going to be a great offense this year just because you don't, you just don't have the shooters that you need to really hold people honest. And so you've got to kind of win schematically. And I think guys like McNair really help you do that. I think a lot of people focus on Tolu Smith and they're thinking, hey, we get this guy out of the game, and all of a sudden McNair steps up and gets you double digits and pulls down seven rebounds for you. I think you can feel a little bit better about how things sit when that's happening for you. Uh, but men's basketball, again, no matter what happens this year, I still believe we're trending in the right direction. I like the energy. I like the enthusiasm from the fan base, and I think Chris Jans has been very, very candid in the media. If you haven't watched his press conference, Paul Jones does a good job. Uh, capturing those for you guys and putting them out there for free on jeanspage.com. So even if you're not a subscriber, you can come watch that. But he's been very candid. He said, hey, we were brutal, and this free throw shooting is going to haunt us. Or we didn't play well. You know, uh, I like coaches that kind of call it like it is 
some people would say, well, you're you know, throwing guys under the bus. I've, I never have gotten that sense from Chris Jans. I think it's always been kind of a collective criticism, you know, of, of simply the team, including the coaches. It's like, hey, we have to do better at this. We're not going to win a lot of games if we continue to do this. And, I, and I, I admire the way he handles things. I have a tremendous amount of respect for his approach to the game. And I do think we've got the right guy for our men's basketball program. And the, the thing that I say, and, I, and I'm not unique in saying this because I see it from you guys too, we play hard. We play with a lot of effort, not just on the defensive end. We will get out and defend you, but we will also push the pace a little bit and make you get in your legs a little bit. Uh, but we're going to get out there and compete. And I don't know that's always been the case. I, I think Chris is a very demanding coach. He is a blue-collar coach which matches our ideals, matches our program. So I have no doubt that we're going to get to where we want to get. Are we going to get there this year? No, nah, probably not. And that's okay because it's a building block towards the future. And I think what he's doing on the recruiting trail is, is admirable. Paul Jones covers that extensively for us over at jeanspage.com. Be sure and come check that out. If you're a member, you're well aware of our great basketball coverage. Uh, but if not, if you're just a casual fan, I think you would appreciate the fact that, you know, Chris Jans is a Mississippi State kind of guy. From what I understand, he grew up on a double, in a double-wide trailer on a gravel road. And, and that's the case for a lot of our fans, right? A lot of us that kind of come from humble uh, beginnings. But Chris Jans has got it has worked his way through and uh, has worked his way up the ranks. And I think that this team has kind of taken on the personality of their coach. There are a lot of people that can only win at a blue blood program. How many can win at a blue collar program? And that's where we are. And I think we have found and identified the guy that can get us to where we want to go. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. There's really no question about it. I'd love to be that close to campus. Maybe you would too. Our friend Brooks Bryan can make that a reality for you. You hit Brooks up at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Get all your questions answered. I can answer some of them for you right now. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home. Go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. If you need a custom build, they can accommodate you with that. You want a bigger kitchen? You want that expansive island? They can handle that for you. You just got to let them know. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two under construction now. Some of those homes are sold. Some are available for sale. And then, of course, there is the next phase of phase two, the second half of phase two. You can pick out a lot. You can pick out your house plans. So don't feel like it's you're kind of like hamstrung into this cookie-cutter cookie cutter development. Uh, Brooks can answer all your questions. And if you're shopping now and maybe your real estate agent hasn't mentioned Portico, maybe you should ask why. Make Portico your next move. All right, I am not a moral victories guy, but I got to tell you, I am pleased with the effort of the Mississippi State women's basketball team yesterday. And before we get into that, I want to say, I know a lot of you don't like Dawn Staley. I do. I, you know, I don't know that I'd ever want to just go hang out with her and have, you know, have dinner. I don't know. I'd love to be able to maybe talk shop with her. But Dawn Staley is an incredible women's basketball coach. I know many of you don't care for her, and that is perfectly fine. You're welcome to be wrong. Dawn Staley has built a powerhouse in South Carolina. And they show up yesterday wearing Mike Leach shirts. And I thought that was very touching and very fitting. And I think it says a lot about South Carolina. And I think that uh, Don Staley and her staff or whoever was responsible for that are to be commended for showing respect as our guest to come in and honor our fallen coach. Well, we didn't respect the, uh, we didn't respect the shirts very much, though. We went right to work, stayed up seven after one, 
The second quarter proved to be the decisive quarter in this ballgame. Despite the fact State's up seven, we get outscored by 13 in the second period. And so the next thing you know, South Carolina really kind of has control of the game, but State wouldn't go away. We're outscored 11 to 10 in the third and then tied in the fourth. So we end up losing by seven. And again, the second period is the one that determined the ball game. That's why it all matters, right? It all matters. And there were times that, uh, you know, we, we pushed it a little bit closer uh, down the stretch and then they would not let us get any closer. But the number one team in the country came to Starkville, Mississippi, and we gave them all they wanted and then some. The Gamecocks now 16-0 and 4-0 in the league. We're 12-5, and 1-3 and in the league. And I uh, got to figure some things out. We do. But the effort level was there. Now, looking at um, our numbers, Jerkelia Jordan had 13 points. Jessica Carter with 11. She also pulled down nine rebounds, just the one, uh, one board short of a double-double. Anastasia Hayes, ace with nine points, played 29 minutes. Uh, Alana Smith, 26 minutes of action, eight points. Uh, Debrecia Poe, 35 minutes, which led the team uh, with just five points there. But, uh, again, just kind of working our way through here. Uh, Danae Carter, 17 minutes, did not score. Charlotte Cole, seven minutes, did not score. Uh, Courtney Weber, 10 minutes, and, and pitched in uh, three points for us. But, you know, the, the difference is there is a talent differential between us and them. And so when there is, you have to make up with it with heart and grit. And I thought we did. We just didn't quite have enough. A little more talent, it might be a different story today. We may be talking about perhaps the second biggest win in Mississippi State women's basketball history. Of course, number one will always be us beating number one UConn. Uh, but the, the reality of it is, is that I think we're heading in the right direction. I know when we lost to Ole Miss, there were a lot of people that were like, oh, this isn't going to work out. It's going to be fine. Uh, you know, Sam and his staff will get this team headed in the right direction. But, uh, you know, listen, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, it's always going to be a Super Bowl-type event. We didn't play well. You know, we opened up, of course, SEC play blasting Vanderbilt 72-44. And then we lose 61-50 to at home. Then we have to go to Knoxville and we lose 80-69. to And then we get South Carolina. And so, again, you look at this, you know, Ole Miss, tournament team. Tennessee, tournament team. South Carolina, national championship contending team. So, the SEC is a very unforgiving league on the men's and the women's side. It just absolutely is. Every so often, maybe on the women's side, you can catch somebody on a bad night. doesn't really happen that often on the men's side. There's, there's a lot of big difference between the haves and the have-nots on the women's side. But I think the Bulldogs showed yesterday that, you know, maybe we don't have yet, but we're in the process of getting. We're off this week, most of the week, and on Sunday we'll travel to College Station, Texas. You know, we have played some great games down there. And uh, won some big ball games down there, too. I remember Victoria Vivian's made a big big shot down there a couple years ago. Basically made the difference in the ball game. But uh, then we get Auburn and Starkville. So the next chance for you to see the Lady Bulldogs in Humphrey Coliseum is uh, Thursday, January 19th. Make plans to attend. And then Kentucky comes in that Sunday. And then we'll, we'll make the return trip to Oxford on, on January 26th. But, uh, you know, listen, I still think the women can make the tournament. We're on the, the wrong side of the bubble right now. But we've got to find a way to turn this thing around. And I think when you start to begin to think about this team beginning to gel, learning a new system, learning a new coaching staff, kind of learning each other again, there is hope. You know, losing yesterday, I know it was a standing ovation as our ladies walked off the floor. I've said this many times. Mississippi State fans understand losing is part of competition. It's not that we're okay with losing, but we understand that's part of the process. 
the one thing we're not okay with is a lack of effort. And that's what made Vic Schaefer so popular at Mississippi State. It wasn't just the fact that he won. It's just that they played with such effort. Effort wins games. It does, especially when people are similarly talented. And when you don't have the talent, you got to have a lot of effort. But we had talent and we had effort. And one of the things that you learn, too, we talk about, you know, our women's basketball crowd a lot of times skews a little bit older. You know, a lot of our ladies, especially some of our silver-haired dogs, they were women's basketball players, too. You know, they played in a lot of these small-town rivalries. They love the game. They know the game. They respect and appreciate the game. And so they know what it means to get out there and compete. And so as a result, when you see things like what happened yesterday, people respect effort. Because effort in circumstances like we had yesterday is sometimes hard to come by. So you know what? They could have accepted the fact, hey, this is South Carolina coming in here. They should wax us. We didn't accept that. We went out there and played at a high level. Not quite high enough, but we gave them a bit of a scare. Of course, again, they got that separation in the second period, but there was still another half to play. We could have easily gone away. We didn't. And again, I feel great about the direction of both programs. Are we going to get to where we want to get this year on the women's side? Probably not. We still may make the tournament. But as far as like getting back into the national spotlight, I think we're probably a year or two away. We're doing a good job on the recruiting trail. Got to give Coach um, you know, Sam a chance to kind of get his players in here and kind of get his system installed. It's year one. And I'm, I'm just think it's best that we kind of temper expectations just a little bit, right? Just a little bit, just to be fair. That's not to say that I'm ever just going to be okay with us going out there and going through the motions and saying, okay, well, we finished 500 in the league. We've got to aspire for greatness. We've got to do a better job in that respect. I think it's okay to want more. I want more for myself. I want more from the people around me. I want more from the people that I work with. And I want more from Mississippi State. I think it's okay to want more. And we talk about, well, you know, you can want one hand and you know what another and see which one fills up first. And there's some reality in that, too. And that's why I think things like the Bulldog Initiative and the Bulldog Club and the Foundation, all that stuff's important. Any contribution you make is important, whether it be buying tickets, spending money to concession stand, any way to generate revenue is a good thing. There are a lot of people, a lot of our folks, you know, sit on the couch and buy a T-shirt from Walmart and call themselves a Bulldog, and that's all they can do. And you know what? It's okay. We wish they could give more. There are a lot of people that would love to give. They can't. But those that can, we encourage you to give. We encourage you to be shareholders in Mississippi State's uh, success. All right, a couple more things I want to go over before we get out of here. You know, baseball season will be here soon. It's, it's difficult to think about that, right? When you think about it, we really haven't had any time off, right? And we're thinking even with the holidays, we didn't have much time off. But I want to take a little time this morning and talk a little bit about college baseball. The season begins uh, – February 17th, that's a Friday. And I'm going to have to hightail it back from New Mexico to be here. But uh, my lovely bride would want me here for opening day at Duty Noble Field. So I'm going to go out there and spend Valentine's with her, and I'm going to hustle back. Mississippi State's going to open up with the Virginia Military Institute with a three-game set. And again, I encourage you to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, it should be, you know, a chance for us to kind of look at ourselves and figure some things out. I'm glad we don't have, uh, you know, Oregon State or somebody like that in the, win, in, the, in the beginning. I'm kind of glad we don't have that big tournament to open uh, the season. You know, we will go out to Frisco, but that'll be in March. So we'll have had a chance to kind of settle the pitching rotation and things like that. I'm looking forward to that. Um, probably, uh, probably a great time. 
to get out and go do some things in Frisco, Texas. I can't wait to get out there, uh, to be quite honest with you. I can't wait to get out there. State's going to play Ohio State, Oklahoma, and California. So I'm going to go ahead and start booking my, my room, and we're going to have a good time. That's what we're going to do. All right, so uh, Virginia Military Institute, it's, it's crazy to think about some of these things sometimes. We begin to think about who we play. And baseball, you know, is kind of an interesting deal because we have so many people that we've never played before that pop up on our schedule. And we need to stack up some wins early on. But this uh, VMI team last year, in case you hadn't looked, they were 16 and 40 last year. And they ended the year on a seven-game losing streak. And, and listen, they give them some credit. They played some good programs. And, you know, they opened up at Duke last year. They played Virginia. Uh, remember, we played Binghamton last year. They, well, they weren't a great team. They lost two out of three to Binghamton. They got Penn State on a schedule. North Carolina, uh, Virginia Tech. UNC Wilmington is a very solid mid-major. They played at VCU, as they should. Uh, went to Sanford last year. You know, Sanford, of course, was in a regional two years ago to play at Virginia Tech. And so, you know, I give these guys some credit for going out there and scheduling, you know, tough, but they're, they're not a winning program. So you never know in college baseball, but, you know, we need to be able to sweep this thing. And then we'll have two midweek games against Louisiana Monroe, you know, you never know what's going to happen in baseball, but if we could be 5-0 and with Arizona State coming in the next weekend, and how big would that be? How big would that be to have Arizona State come in here and us win that series, and all of a sudden you win, you win your first five and you win the series against Arizona State, you sit there at 7-1, and all of a sudden you're back in the national spotlight again. There are a lot of people that want to vote for us. They want you know, Mississippi State being good is good for college baseball. But college baseball is going to go on without us, and we're not going to get the Florida treatment, right? You know, people aren't just going to give us the benefit of the doubt, but I'll tell you, there are a lot of people that expect Mississippi State to be good. They've got a lot of confidence in, uh, in Chris Simonis. And if you haven't looked at Arizona State, and we will look at them a lot closer as we get there, but they were 26-32 and 32 last year. This is a team that's won multiple national championships. You know, they've got a lot of tradition there. But 26-32 of 32 on the year, losing record, of course, didn't make the tournament. 13-17 and 17 in their conference. And so you don't know, you know, what they're going to bring back, because I'm sure their fans are looking at our schedule. Sent on Mississippi State, you know, kind of fell off the, the map after winning the NFL championship. We got a chance to go in there and win that. So, you know, we'll get some confident people here. And I don't tell them how many Sun Devil fans show up. But you ought to be in a good situation here to take that series. And then, of course, you got Southern Miss there at Trustmark Park. And, you know, we went up there last year and it was horrendous. We were horrendous. Horrendous. And so when I start breaking the schedule down and thinking about, you know, what it's going to take for us to get to Frisco, we have a really good chance to go to Frisco be nationally ranked because we're a nationally recognized name and we're going to play some teams that we should be able to beat. But Arizona State, that's a brand win, right? Even though they didn't have a great team last year, they're going to have talent. And so it's not a very challenging non-conference schedule before we get to Frisco and you got a chance to win every game. But you can't, you can ill afford to drop these games. Southern Miss, obviously, a very good mid-major program. I played in the Super Regional last year. You know, I went away from going to Omaha. They, they get eliminated by the NFL champions. I mean, you hate to even say it, but it's the reality. But when we go to Frisco, it's going to be a much different deal. Much different deal. And we're going to get excited about that. And we're going to find out who we really are. And then after, of course, we get back from Frisco, you know, then you got Valpo, the fighting Bryce Drews, and then we've got Lipscomb coming in for the weekend, and Nichols, and we go down to Biloxi and play Nichols and, and uh, UL, and then we start SEC play. And I'll be on the road to Kentucky, 
March 17th. How about that? I'm excited about that. I've never covered baseball in Kentucky. I've covered football there. I've never covered baseball. So we'll be in Kentucky uh, for that big weekend. And uh, the fighting Nick Mangiones, I'm glad Nick got another year. Really am. They, they did some good things down the stretch last year. And we get Vanderbilt at our place. We get Arkansas State before then. And Vanderbilt's at our place. We get Samford. South Carolina comes to our place. Grambling. We go to Alabama, which I'm always okay with because we always bring a lot of fans. A lot of times we take over the stadium. Then we'll play it at uh, UAB. Ole Miss comes to Starkville. Southern U. Then we go to Auburn, which is always a great trip. I love Plainsman Park. I really do. I, I wish they would finish it. But I love going to Auburn. Uh, they know and appreciate baseball there. Uh, and then, of course, we get Ole Miss and Trustmark. Then we go to Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, that'll be in April. Arkansas comes in. We'd have no midweek game. Arkansas comes in the first weekend in May. Memphis comes down here. We owe those guys a little bit. And then uh, at LSU. And anytime we go down there, it always seems like, you know, we have to play like 9 on 10. That's just how it feels. North Alabama comes in, and then we close out the regular season uh, with Texas A&M coming in. So you look at the schedule. Yeah, I expect us to be better. How much better kind of remains to be seen? The reports in fall baseball were really good. Uh, I've talked to Chris Simonis a handful of times. Chris is, you know, optimistic about the team. He believes we have uh, some pieces on the mound that we didn't possess last year. Of course, we had some injuries last year. And we kind of had to stress some guys down the stretch last year, and they just kind of got a little arm-weary because of the fact that uh, we didn't have a lot to pull from. But the reality of it is we're Mississippi State. When we're down, you better get us then because we're not going to be down for long. I think that's important to understand. And Chris Simonis is a very fiery competitor. He was able to keep his staff together despite some overtures from other programs last year. And I can tell you from talking to Jake Gotro. Jake didn't want to leave here until this is fixed. And Jake's got opportunities every year to leave. Jake loves it here. Jake wants to be a head coach someday. But Jake's not going to leave just to leave. It's going to take something special to get Jake out of here. And I think we have a chance to be a really good team this year. Uh, can we get to Omaha? It depends on how the cards play, right? I mean, you need somebody to step up. I mean, you know, you look at Ole Miss last year, too. I mean, it's like, you know, who knew, pitching-wise, what they would prove to be down the stretch. I mean, they had some guys that, that didn't pan out early in the year. And kind of the same thing for us. I mean, who knew Will Bednar was going to be Will Bednar? Who knew that he was going to be a first-round pick heading into 2021? Who knew Landon Sims was going to be the most dominant closer in college baseball? You, would, you didn't know. And so there's always new names that step up. And there are some new names at Mississippi State that I can tell you the staff's very excited about. And I'm excited about him, too, and I'm eager to see him on the field. I think that's a thing that we really need to kind of prepare for. Uh, it's okay to expect Mississippi State to bounce back. Uh, and knowing what I know about Chris Limonis and how hard they work in the transfer portal, this is going to be a team that's going to make you proud. I do believe we can argue and fight and scratch and claw and debate a case that gets us back into the hosting discussion. I know that's what you all want. That's what I want. And I think we have a team capable of doing that. Anything beyond that? I don't know. You know, can we be a, a top eight? I wouldn't project that at this point, but I do think that we could be a team in the hosting discussion. And I think we'd be a very difficult number two somewhere. But again, there's always somebody that steps up. It's a new name that we're not expecting. There's every year there's always that, you know, a name, you, oh, we've got so-and-so coming back and so-and-so. Then all of a sudden somebody emerges that you're just not quite familiar with. There will be some of those guys this year. There will be some pitchers this year that you didn't see last year. They're going to make you awfully proud. I don't think there's any question. We're going to compete at a much higher level on the mound 
And then offensively, I think we've got some guys that's a pretty good approach. I know Imani Larry is a guy they're really, really high on. Got to make sure he's healthy. Got a little bit dinged up in the fall, but he, but he, he'll be good to go. And there's just some new pieces here that's going to take some time to kind of mesh and gel. And that's the thing about baseball too. It's not like football or basketball where you have to you know run these set plays and stuff. It's a team game played by individuals that have to go do their individual job. And so it's a little easier to mesh a team in that respect. You know, pitchers and catchers got to kind of get to know each other and how each other works. But from an offensive standpoint, there's only you at the plate. There's no teammate, you know, up there helping you. It's got to go make a, a, a block for you or, or a screen for you. It's up to you. So baseball, it's a little easier to turn things around as quickly as, as you want to. I think that's important to understand. So I share that with you because I'm ready to talk college baseball. And we're basically, what, five weeks away? Yeah, five weeks away from college baseball being here. And so I know many of you are kind of ramping up into basketball mode because now we're in the SEC play and kind of have an idea of things are going. But uh, we are a baseball school. I know some people don't like it when I say that. We are a baseball school that loves football, okay? And we like basketball, too, when we're winning. It'd be nice if we could just kind of be uniform in our, our love, admiration, and support. But the reality of it is we are a baseball school. We have committed an incredible amount of resources as a fan base and an institution to the game of baseball. So I look forward to it. There are many times I've told people there is no place in the world I'd rather be uh, than Duty Noble Field. And so I just encourage you guys to come out and be a part of everything. And uh, if you haven't already thought about that opening weekend, I know it's going to be a little bit chilly. But uh, Hobie and the gang will be out there in the rightful Tiki Lounge, you know, stomping everybody out there. Elvis Dog, everybody will be out there. And it's like family out there. Uh, Brent Shorter, everybody will be out there. It's a good group. So make plans to attend. And let's get behind this team. I don't think we should have a wait-and-see approach when it comes to this best baseball team. I think we're going to be able to do a great job. I think we're going to be able to turn this thing around rather quickly. I look forward to it. I know you guys do as well. If you hadn't done so, you can relive the magic of the 2021 NAFL Championship season by ordering the book Dogpile. Uh, several copies still available. You can go to dogpilethebook.com. That's D-A-W-G-P-I-L-E.com. And while you're there, you can pick up all of my sports books. That's Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, we sold a lot of those at Christmas. And the great stocking stuffer, guys. Thanks so much for that. You can find that at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you certainly should be, go to StarkVillains.com, get the T-shirts and the hoodies. I had one guy hit me up the other day. He said, I, I told my wife I wanted a Stark Villains hoodie, and it was like one of the only things on my list, and I didn't get it. So I ordered one for myself. Treat yourself. Identify as a Stark Villain. You'll be glad you did. Well, that's it for today. Again, we're back on schedule this week. We'll be back on Wednesday, and kind of hopefully we'll have an update on some, uh, some coaching news. You know, that's the thing is like every day something's happening. There's always something new to report. There is no shortage of content these days if you're a fan of Mississippi State. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.